In Matthew 4.19, Jesus says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Join us in this conversation as we discuss following Jesus, leadership, and doing life with others. Welcome to the 419 Disciple Makers Podcast. Welcome back to 419 Podcast. We are so excited today to have Bill Lonis with us. Bill is a disciple maker, and he is the founder of uh, Narrowgate, uh, which is a ministry focused on um, how to help people grow in leadership and, and making disciples. And he's been working with pastors all over the world, literally, uh, in, uh, in, in Eastern Europe and, um, and in the United States, all over the United States, too. And so we're excited to have him today. Uh, welcome, Bill. Good to be here, Mark. We are so glad um, that you took the time to join us today, and I really believe that a lot of people are going to be encouraged uh, by what you have to share. You have so much to share. I've learned so much from you over the years. We've known each other for about 12 years now, mm-hmm. I guess, hasn't yeah. we? Yeah, close to that, yeah. from youth ministry. And you're still my friend. That yeah, is just, how about that? That's amazing. Well, I fake a lot of things. <laughs> I get that a lot, too. Um, and so... You and I uh, have done some traveling together, some disciple making mm. together. We have spent, uh, drank many cups of coffee and and had many meals talking about Absolutely. what God's called us to do. Uh, but also, how do we help other people live into right. that purpose? How do we pass it forward? Pass it forward. I like that. I like yeah. that. Yeah. So um, we're going to see where the conversation takes us today. We'll let the Holy Spirit guide. How about that? Amen. And um, and hopefully that you out there listening will be blessed in some way, encouraged maybe to live more into what God's purpose for your for your life is, and that's living out the Great Commission. Mm. Uh, certainly we get that from the life of Jesus. Mm. So, Bill, uh, I know your story. I'd love for the people to know uh, your story is, so you're a businessman, you're out there crushing it, making tons of money, you're raising kids, you got this wonderful wife, and your daughter walks into your room one day. Mm. Mm. Uh, you mind telling us a little bit about that journey? Yeah, my both my children uh, came to Christ at Young Life camps, and uh, in the '90s. And my response to that was good. They're going to be better kids. It's easier for me. I'm happy for. It. And off it went. And until one evening in 1998, and I was 48 at the time, and my daughter came home from a what I found out later was a discipleship uh, meeting for high school kids. Okay at Perimeter Church. And she sat at the end of the bed. She's crying, just could not stop her from crying. Mm. She's like her dad in that respect. We're the criers of the family. (laughs) And um, she looked right at Paula and said, I'm not going to see you and dad in heaven. And I became livid. Wow. And Paula became a seeker. Mm. And so being a good businessman, I delegated to Paula to go to Perimeter Church and find out why all this was happening and why they were teaching all this junk. I'm not quite sure I called it junk at the time. (laughs) Um, But fast forward on that is Paula then meets a lady. The lady introduces her to a man. I get introduced to the man. The next thing I know, I'm in a house on Tuesday nights with this fella named John Musselman, and I'm listening to him uh, uh, go through the book of Isaiah, uh, which is a Unbelievable place for a. Now, are you to start. are you a believer at this time? No, not a believer. No, okay. not at all. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I didn't even know I was a seeker. Wow. Uh, Paula had all the right questions. I was there for dessert, and just <laughs> so Paula would, I would say yes to her and do this with her because she really wanted me to do it. So I did. And but what happened was I started seeing these guys in this group that acted differently, they handled things differently, and I said eventually I said I gotta. I've got to know what they have that I've been looking for. Wow. 
And, uh, and so then this guy named John Musselman grabbed the hold of me. He spent three years with me. And on September 22nd, 2002, 8 o'clock at night, 51 years old, I accepted Jesus as my Savior and Lord. Hmm. So he had spent three years, and I knew the decision I was making, not just the, the salvation decision, but I was making a lordship decision and giving him my life to the best of my ability. Now, that's a new concept for a lot of people. Yeah. So many people think, you know, well, if I just give my heart to Jesus, this means I get to go to heaven, and he takes care of everything for me, and um, then I just go to church, and that's pretty much it, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I kind of look at it as both sides of the cross. You know, on one side of the cross is, you know, Jesus dies for my sins. Hmm. But when he's resurrected, he's resurrected for me to live him living in me now. Wow. And eternity begins. And we have to give him control. And that's lordship. And lordship to me has like three components. The first component that's necessary in lordship is that we surrender to him. So we, That's a negative word from people, isn't it? Yeah. I, I, well, for me, it was. A control freak was a <laughs> huge thing, especially to surrender somebody I can't see hmm. and I can only read about and hear about. Hmm. And But I made that decision. John had, had spent a lot of time with me for three years. We met twice a week for a while, then once a week for a while, then once a month for a while. And he and I have never stopped meeting now for 17 years. Wow. Matter of fact, we're together again in a couple of weeks. We meet quarterly now. Wow. Uh, and I've traveled the world with him as well, teaching disciple-making. But so disciple-making has always been in my blood. But the lordship piece is surrender first, then you graduate in lordship to living under the power of the Holy Spirit. And then the third piece is what I like to refer to as the audience of one, is I need to know how I was uniquely designed to be in his presence fully. And, you know, there's all kinds of ways to do that, uh, but I think everybody has a unique perspective on it. Uh, But uh, I believe those are the three dimensions of lordship. And to me, I knew what I was committing to Mm -hmm. at that time. Because of this guy named John. Yeah, because of this guy named John investing in me. uh, And all he's been doing for the last 30 years is discipling. So... I, I guess one of the unique features my wife and I have is we don't know any different because one month after me, she submitted in lordship uh, hmm. uh, to Christ. Yeah, that is that is a very different story than a lot of us here, especially hmm. as pastors. Hmm. Uh, that someone would it, it confess, accept Christ, and then immediately enter into this discipling relationship. For most of us, it seems like. You know, we accept Christ early in life, and then we go out and live stupid and do crazy things, and then, you know, it hits the wall, and we gradually kind of migrate back into the church. But Mm. yours came because you met a man. Yeah, absolutely. And that, in about 2004 or five or so, right, you know, soon after um, uh, coming to Christ and Lordship is that's when I began, uh, and John then spent the next couple of years after my salvation and lordship in teaching me how to be a disciple maker and understanding Jesus's life and to model what Jesus did in his teachings and methodology. And that's what John's ministry is about. So I learned that for a few years and then began uh, discipling. The first group I had was a fall of 2006 with five guys. Okay. So take me back from the frame of mind you're in now. You have mm-hmm. this clear perspective of kind of sure. this journey that you've been yeah. on. God knew it all along. 
and now we get to look back and see right. it. So this time that that you go from your daughter's crying on the bed saying she's not going to see you in heaven, which made you mad, mm-hmm. to being in a home for the dessert, uh, and then meeting this guy named John, who, and mm. then you inviting you to accept, and you accepted Christ as Savior and Lord. Mm-hmm. What was happening in those in that three year period there? What was John doing with you? Yeah, it was very interesting. I had been able to get my way all the way through high school and college and master's degree without reading a book or mm. taking a language. I had figured out how to fake my way through life, and I got it, and I learned it well through high school and college and master's degree. And John said, "You know, we need to. You need to read some books." And so, what we did was is I traveled with him and I watched him help people. Uh, find a relationship. I watched him help people find a relationship with Jesus. I read the Bible with him. He pointed me to some areas in my life that I need to investigate. He wa- he taught me how to face my responsibility now as a follower of Jesus, not just a believer, but a follower of Jesus, that I have responsibility. If you think about it, what John taught me was is that owners have rights, stewards have responsibilities. Wow. That's, right? that's cool. So God owns it all, including me and everything that I'm around. And so I am a steward of that. And what John helped me see is as a steward, I have responsibility. So I have responsibility then to make choices. So I had to choose to read the Bible. So he would sit with me and help me understand the Bible. He diligent helped me understand Jesus's life of his ministry. And he taught me how to pray. And if you just think about some of the basic skills is I can still remember John, when I first started learning how to pray at church, I could not close my eyes. Now, was this something you asked him, hey, John, teach me how to pray? Or he just assumed listening to you pray that you needed some help or what? Well, he just kind of has, John has a unique way of doing an inventory each time we meet. And in that inventory, he kind of understands one of the real keys to being a disciple maker is to ask questions to understand what the disciple needs. Okay. And I, he was, we were just talking one day. I said, you know, John, I am just afraid somebody's going to call on me and I have to pray. Mm. And so then he took me to the Lord's Prayer both times in the, in the Gospels. And he, he said, now listen to me pray. And, if, and at first I couldn't even... Uh, uh, I remember at church being the only person looking up at the cross at Mount Pisgah because I couldn't close my eyes and bow my head to pray or my mind would take off. Wow. So I had to learn these things, and John helped me to learn you know, the Lord's Prayer and the six targets of prayer. and got me accustomed to building my own prayer life, which is I, I, I really enjoy my prayer life now. It's a, it's a, a very meaningful part of each day. It's are learned behaviors, aren't they? Yeah, it is. And, and, it, and, and what we have to understand is, is as stewards of what God's given us, and the highest priority is what he's given us is time, the most valuable commodity, then we have choices of how we spend that time. Hmm. And uh, it, it's just a unique way of looking at your faith is thinking it through, I have responsibility. Yeah. And it's not a uh, buffet line or a cruise ship or all the other you know, little names they give for it. But I just like to look at it. I'm a steward. I have responsibilities. I have no rights. Huh. I got to give up on my rights. That's surrender. And surrender, yeah. And those are difficult because oh, yeah. I was a control freak and was hyper 
uh, time management guy, and it's that I, I don't know if I ever get over it, yeah. uh, but it's it's a lot more manageable. Growing. So as you read the uh, say Matthew twenty eight, the Great Commission, um, you're, you're right about it's a responsibility. He doesn't say, "Hey, go if y'all want to uh, and make disciples." You know, go if you have time, uh, go and make disciples. <laughs> it's just go, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Huh. Well, the issue is, is that through John, uh, who is a, uh, I would call him a theologian disciple maker. I mean, his, his he is really uh, has a doctorate from Fuller Seminary, and he taught me to more than read that passage, but get to understand that passage deeply mm. and the pieces of it. And the more I uh, learned that, and the more I taught it to others the more powerful it became in my life, which hmm. is quite interesting, mm-hmm. is that's what disciple-making is, uh, is that... That verse you, for you is, is summarized as disciple-making, Matthew 28? Uh, yeah, that one in Matthew 419, which is one of my favorites of what, uh, uh, as well. But yeah, I think that uh, Matthew, the 28-verse uh, passage there at the end, is really Jesus is giving us his last statement, his last command. And if you think about anybody that you've ever been at their your last time you ever saw them, mm. it's usually the most significant. Oh, yeah. All right. Now, can you imagine Jesus saying, guys, come around. I got one more thing to tell you. Yeah. They're and it be might be. In. And it is the second most important thing that he taught us because the most important thing is love God and love people. Yeah. The great command. And this is the great commission. Mm. And they're to go together. I think it's supposed to be co-mission, not great commission or great command. It's both. It's yeah. a both. We have a both and God, hmm. uh, and if then and so forth in the scripture. So uh, that's why Matthew twenty-eight passage is, and I like to start at sixteen where it says, "And some doubted." Uh, yeah. So it still gives me hope. <laughs> yeah, for those yeah. of you that don't have a Bible in front of you right now, if I recall that verse, uh, Jesus. They go to the mountain, right, mm-hmm. Bill, where they where Jesus yep. said to go, and this is right before he's going to ascend. Right. And it says that they uh, they worshipped him, but some, but some doubted. doubted. I wonder what, well, that's not just Thomas. Thomas always gets accused of the doubter, but. It, it, well, sounds, look at it this way. If you're human, you doubt. Yeah. All right? It's, it's a matter of the have... choices you make after doubting is uh, the issue. Okay? So it's, it's very normal to doubt. Okay. I mean, we all need to doubt because then we won't investigate right yeah and and yeah. so the choice but what i love about that passage too is that jesus doesn't when it says and some doubted uh, it doesn't say that he's looked at them and said how dare you doubt me after all i've done yeah, for you yeah, you know he yeah. just says hey i love a- you all authority yes heaven on yeah. earth has been given me it's amazing i love that yeah. about him and that authority is passed to us wow so in that passage right off the beginning that most people run over is is all power has all authority has been given to me, and that the way that's laid out in the in the text, if you look at the Greek, it is now I am passing that to you, and here is your three responsibilities. Hmm. And what are those three? Go baptize and teach. Hmm. Okay. Okay. It, and the go means as you go throughout all day, every day. It's kind of like in the South, it'll be all y'all all the time. Uh, and then baptize. And he's from Ohio, people, so that right, was a, he right. learned that yeah, later. Been in here life. long enough to claim being <laughs> Southern. But anyhow, the, the fact is, is that the go means all the time, not 
just on Sundays or not just to my accountability group or whatever. Or once a year, go on a mission trip. Yeah. Well, I'm, I mean, I, I said I was an $80 Christian. I went to church four times a year, gave them 20 bucks. <laughs> and because I didn't want to go to church just on Christmas and Easter, so I'd go two other times. Just to throw the pastor have, off. Huh? That I didn't have a, a golf game. Oh, we didn't go to the same church. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, no, no. We, we, we would go around. Uh, <laughs> but back to the, the Matthew is, you know, as you go is first, then baptize. Now, baptize is something we overlook as well, because baptize means to first seek and save the lost. So we have a responsibility to reach out to the lost. And then the other part of baptize means to bring them into the body of Christ, so bring them into church membership, to be mm. part of the body, okay? At that time, which was So it's more groups. than just water. Yeah. No, the okay. baptize in that context, which is one I've learned from John, is you've got to uh. have context for everything, especially reading the Bible, is we have two parts to baptize, and that is the part of seek and save the lost. That is our responsibility, not a pastor's, not some paid clergy. This is the rank and file saints of the church have that responsibility Mm. because that is Jesus. And we are then to bring them into the body of Christ, which is where you grow. And then he says something very interesting. The third piece is to teach them to obey all my commands. He didn't say you have to be perfect first or you have to be on some yellow brick road. And he just said, you know, because he says, I want flawed people helping flawed people to become more like me. (laughs) Uh, And that's the road of disciple making. Wow. And then it's very interesting, his clothes, which is also in Matthew 419. And the close is, and I will be with you. That's powerful. So even today, when someone, and I try to catch myself, is I am not the disciple maker, Hmm. okay? There is a master-apprentice relationship in disciples. Jesus is the master, and the disciple is the apprentice. I'm the steward of that relationship, Okay. okay? So my assignment is to steward that period of time of the men the Lord gives me, right? to make sure that they're growing in spiritual maturity and all those different things that John taught me and has taught me for the last 17 years. And so I have the responsibility to go, baptize, teach, and know that in 419, why it's so appropriate for our disciple-making movement at Mount Pisgah, is it says, come, follow me, and I will make you. It doesn't say you make them. It says, I will make them. And in the Great Commission, it says, I will be with you. Well, the fact of the matter is, is he's the master. They're the apprentice. All I'm doing is walking beside them, arm in arm, on the same path that I'm on, Mm. okay? And just teaching them the things that I have learned and the new things that we learn together. That's the life of of, of a disciple. And that's what I have literally done with John for 17 years. Well, and not only uh, what I've observed is not only have you learned that and lived that with your mentoring relationship with John, he's discipled you, mm-hmm. but you've discipled others. Mm. And so you were doing that as a business owner. And I know a lot of guys who say, hey, man, I'm so busy in business and I got my own business and I don't have you know hardly time to do that. Mm. But you found a way. Um, go back to creation. And one of the things that the Lord gave us, one of the greatest gifts he could give us was choice, all right? And I'm a, like a alcoholic time manager. In other words, I'm just, <laughs> I'm, 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 it's like horrible. And 
it's it's clearly something I have to be very conscious of. It's a control issue, right? It's a control issue, absolutely. But so I, I but on my time management is our time is our number one asset. So managing time is a very important part of being a disciple, mm. as long as it's done within reason. And sometimes mind gets out of control. So I uh, ad- admit that. Um, but I sat down and I thought, okay, if you got seven days in a week times four, that's like what is that? 160 some hours. Hmm. And I said, it takes me about eight hours in sleep a night. So seven times eight, 56, right? And then I got to go to work. So it's five days a week, 10 hours a day. That's 50. So that's 106. And if I tithe 10% of my time to the Lord, which is 16 hours, 15 hours, I still have 40 some hours to play golf and do all the other things, be with Paul and so forth. Hmm. And so I just kind of backed into, now, what am I going to do with my time? What choice am I going to make with that time because everybody has 15 hours a week that they can't account for. Hmm. And I just chose because of the way I view things more systematically is that I'll just plan that into my day and my week. And I work through that uh, being uh, performance-based mm-hmm. at first and grew into sonship of the Lord. It was kind of a Meaning process. like you were trying to Make God happy or please well, God? Well, no, I, I, you know, a performance-based person is a check-the-box person, ah. okay? And sometimes church life leads us to check the box because everybody's always telling us we need to do whatever it is. We need to do a mission trip. We need to do a Bible study. We need to come to church. We need to be in a choir. We need to be a greeter. We need to, all yeah. right? And those are all wonderful things. But the fact is, if you're a son of God, he leads you to what your choice is, to what you're supposed to do. And so... What I believe was the, the number one thing I could do was my time. So I began in right away in 2002 is to kind of keep active in the business world because I felt like we needed more Pauls than we needed full-time pastors. And a Paul wow. you know, was a tent maker, and I studied his life and been to Corinth and watched what happened there, which was really cool. And I saw that he made tents and disciples. He was a well, I said, business. He was a yeah, businessman. He's a tent maker. He was an excellent t- tent maker. And in the city of Cor- and Corinth was where the practice was for the Olympic Games that took place in in Rome. Oh. So he built the p- tents for the practice guys. Oh, so there's God. way more of those than there are the ones that compete, right? Because <laughs> they qualify and everything. And that was right outside the gates of Corinth. Hmm. And there he made tents outside Corinth. And he preached the gospel in Corinth. Wow. And so I said, that's what the Lord's called me to do. And for from 2002 until just last January, uh, that's what I did until I got the call to full-time ministry. For more information, check out our website, 419disciplemakers.org. Join us again next week as we continue our conversation on the 419 Disciple Makers podcast.